May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning and welcome to Parkway Fellowship. I want to welcome our North Campus, joining us by video feed. Glad you guys are with us. And today, I'm wrapping up this message series, Parkway Values. You know, now that I look back on it, I realize that at my home church growing up as a kid, that there were two really big things that were missing. And the truth is, I didn't even know it. And now that I'm a pastor, you know, and I look back on this, I realize that there were two really big components of Christianity that, I mean, honestly, they were just basically ignored in my home church. And I didn't even know the importance of these two thi- of implementing these two things until, you know, like much, much later in life. I mean, like, like 20 years later. And if I had been encouraged to do these two things as a teenager, I, I, I know they would have made such a big difference in my own personal life. I would have been so much closer to Christ. And I also know that I would have made, I, well, I probably would have made a really big difference in other people's lives as well. But you know, as it was, you know, I just showed up and merely attended church on Sunday just looking for whatever I could get out of it. And, and look, and that's not altogether bad. I mean, you know, I got a lot out of going to church as a kid, and, and you know, going to church really did help me grow spiritually closer to Christ. But the truth is, for me to only sit in worship service and to you know, sit in my youth group and you know, just take it all in, well, the truth is, I actually cheated myself out of these two really big components to my relationship with God. And for all of us, the danger is, especially for teenagers, is that if we ignore these two components in our Christian life, then we will only spiritually grow so far. And then we won't grow anymore. We will be spiritually stuck. And the truth is, we can be spiritually stuck for a really long time. I mean, like 20 years, maybe even more, until we put these two values into practice. And the irony is, is that these two values were what the first century church was best known for. They were best known for these two things. But in American culture, so often, these two values, they they take a back seat because we run the risk of coming across as pushy or judgmental, um, or we run the risk of other people thinking about us that, you know, because of the personal sacrifices that we have to make, that, you know, our lives then become harder and more inconvenient. And American culture says that we need to work to try to make life easier and more convenient. But yet, these two values are at the core of Christianity. And they're necessary if we're going to grow closer to Christ and become spiritually mature. So, Pull out your message notes if you haven't done so already, and let's start by asking this key question. What are the two values that are at the core of Christianity? What are they? Well, first is the value of reaching new people. That's your first fill-in. It's reaching new people. And the value reads like this. We will do anything short of sin to reach as many people as possible, as fast as possible, before time runs out. 
We'll do anything short of sin to reach as many people as possible, as fast as possible, before time runs out. This is a value that Jesus himself had. Look at what he tells his disciples in Luke chapter 10, verse 2. It says this, he told them, the harvest is plentiful. Now, hold on. Jesus isn't talking about grain here, okay? He's talking about people. And he's talking about reaching out to people who don't believe, all right? So, he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. All right, so Jesus tells his disciples to pray that God would send people out in the world to tell other people about who Jesus really is and how he can change their lives. And by telling people about Christ, it's as if they're harvesting grain, okay? Because grain left out in the field will eventually rot. And people left out in the field of the world without Christ will eventually rot, and and they'll be lost. Now, not lost in the sense that, like, they can't find their way and they have no idea where they are, but they're lost in the sense that without Christ, they've lost any chance of getting to heaven. So, Jesus himself had this value. And just nine chapters later, Jesus reveals his purpose for coming to this earth. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, the Bible says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. See, and Jesus' purpose actually became the purpose of the Christ followers in the first century, and they had such an urgency to tell people about Christ that the number of people that believed in Jesus just exploded. I mean, literally, from just a few hundred people at the time that Jesus died to several million people just three centuries later. And you got to remember, at this time in history, um, people were still writing on scrolls, and they were still riding on donkeys. So, you know, considering how long it took to get from place to place and how tedious it was to still copy material, Honestly, it's unbelievable that Christianity spread like it did. It's amazing. And this desire to tell people about Christ inspired people to find creative ways to tell others about Jesus and help them understand. And in fact, one of those ways is recorded in Acts chapter 17. And here, Paul is trying to find a way to tell the people of Athens, Greece, about Christ in a way that they will understand. So look what he does. In Acts chapter 17, uh, beginning in verse 22, it says this. It says, and then Paul stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, men of Athens, I see that in every way you're very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Now what you worship is something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. So at that point in time, Paul launches into this explanation of how this unknown God is really the one true God. And that this God created everyone and everything, including them. And so then verse 29, it says, therefore, since we are God's offspring, what he means is that since God created you, 
We should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. But in the past, God overlooked such such ignorance, but now he commands all the people everywhere to repent. I don't want you to underline this first phrase. For he has set a day when he will judge the world. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. So look, Paul is saying that God has already set judgment day on the eternal calendar. None of us know when it is. Paul didn't know when it was. You don't know when it is. I don't know when it is. None of us know when it is. And so since we don't know when that day is, there's a sense of urgency on our part too that we must tell as many people as we can as fast as we can before time runs out. Look, in the end, you have to care about people for this value to even matter. You have to care about where they're going to spend their eternity because if they die, without ever becoming a Christ follower, then they have no way for their sins to be forgiven. So they will spend eternity separated from God in a place the Bible calls hell as a consequence for their sins on this earth. And the thought of that, it has to find its way down into your heart to the point where you care so much about them that you, you have to tell them about Christ. You have to invite them to church so that they will hear about Christ. That's why this is so important. And, and I tell you all of this because this week you have a great opportunity to invite people to church next Sunday to hear about Christ. Now, study after study has shown that there are four times a year when people are more open to an invitation to come to church than any other time. One of those times is in February, about a month after school starts, which is next Sunday. So next Sunday, we're kicking off a brand new series called Believable Lies. And these are things that, um, that people believe because they sound true, but in fact, They are not true. And the first message in this series is, God only loves me when I'm good. And there's a lot of people that believe that. Now, they might not admit that, but they act like they believe it because they spend so much energy trying to get God to love them. Or,